Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 3, Episode 1, for Saturday the 9th of January 2021. Coming up this week, just because you fluked a couple of five-figure months doesn't make you immune from rookie cock-ups. Get ready to wince and enjoy my latest mistake later on in the show. I'm well into my first non-fiction book of the year. This time I'm writing all about author platforms. And I've done a deep dive into my Facebook ad stats. And as a result, there's been a bit of a cull this week. Welcome to the podcast. I hope you're well into the new year already and no doubt you've sat down and worked out the direction you want the year to take. I'm straight back at it and after telling you last week that I really wasn't in the mood to write fiction at the moment, I just need a break from fiction, I have dived back into the non-fiction and I can tell you that my author platform book, which is not quite titled yet, it's going to be something like building an author platform for authors or, or something like that. But I want to primarily focus on fiction and not, not non-fiction. And an author platform for fiction is different to non-fiction. So again, I'm toying with all these ideas as I go along. But that book, uh, before, before you gasp, by the way, let me qualify how I got to this number of words. The book is currently at 27,000 words. Now, stop gasping, stop gasping, please, because... That isn't me having sat down and written 27,000 words this week. What I have done with that book is, I, I remember I wrote an author platform book several years ago, and it was a combination of about five, I think it was five standalone books that I'd done, plus I'd written some extra chapters just to frame it, and I'd put them all together. And effectively, I mean, that's out of date now. It had loads of screenshots in there, you know, a couple of hundred screenshots in there. It was indexed and all the pages numbered and it was processed. This is the days before vellum. It was done in Word. So it was quite a big undertaking of work. And what I've done with that is I found the original doc file. That doc file, I then moved into Scrivener. I removed the there were all sorts of illustrations in it. So all the illustrations were pulled out before I moved it into Scrivener. I removed um, all the references to figures and illustrations that I had in there. I um, just made sure the text was, there were no gaps and any, any weird stuff in there at all, closed all those gaps. So I literally created a single uh, text file in Scrivener. I exported that into Word and then popped it into Google Drive. I did a couple of find and replaces on it. So I had a couple of um, or many colons where I was basically leaving a space for illustrations and made sure I moved any, any references to illustrations out of the text. And so what I've then done is written the new introduction, framed the book in a slightly different way, moved over the content from the introductory sections and the WordPress and website building sections. Now, since I wrote that book, my advice about building an author platform has changed or, or modified, I should say. So I would still say to you, if you ask me, well, what should I build for an author platform? I'd still say build a website in WordPress. That That's not changed. I'm completely consistent on that. And I don't see me changing that advice. You need to build your author platform on a system that you own and control. And that is and the best thing in my point of view is, is WordPress. There's all sorts of technical reasons for that, for search engine optimization, the ability to move with the time. So for instance, I had a WordPress website in the days before mobile phones were really big, 2009, you know, there were very much more basic things then. 
And at that time, you didn't need to have a mobile-friendly website. These days, you've got to have a mobile-friendly website. And the joy of WordPress is that whatever happens in the industry, WordPress is able to pivot around that. So if you had an old-fashioned WordPress website in 2009, you simply snap on a new theme to that website, and all of a sudden, hey, presto, without having to completely reinvent the wheel, you've now got a mobile-friendly website. And that, that's why I love WordPress. It's future-proof. Everything that ever happens on the web, WordPress can adapt to. And you never lose your content. You never have to start from scratch. Just look at Joanna Penn's podcast and website, you know, thecreativepen.com, if you want an example of that. I, you know, I've heard Joanne, Joanna saying that she's got you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages there that she's built up over the years. I don't know what else would be able to cope with that as well. And all the technical changes that have happened in between times um, than WordPress. So that's probably a pretty good example of, of why I would recommend WordPress. But having said that, if you came to me on day one as a, an indie author and you said, I've heard I need an author platform, I don't have any money, I've just given up my job to do this, you know, we're very, very tight for money, or I just lost my job because of the pandemic. So if you were telling me you have no money at all, and then all the advices have an author platform, I would say to you nowadays, okay, the two things you must do is have some outlet on the internet so that when I look up Paul Teague author or Fred Bloggs author or whatever it is I'm looking up, I can find you. And you must have a way of gathering uh, email addresses so that you can market to people who visit your site or who hear about you. So email plus website. I would actually say if you had zero budget, go to MailerLite, get a basic account, get the thousand, the up to thousand subscribers account, and then build yourself either a landing page on which there's a little bit about you as the author and a picture of your book if you've got one, or use one of their free website builders, which gives you the most basic website on earth, which is, you know, about us, contact us, a front page, you know, just the most basic website, and it allows you to collect email addresses. And that's what that's actually how my advice would change now. So to save you reading a whole book, that would be my advice if you were asking me on day one. Now, in the olden days, I probably would have said, you know, get somebody to, on Fiverr to set you up a, a WordPress site or something like that. But now I would say, just get MailerLite, set up a landing page, put your book cover on it, put a photo of you on, tell us about you and put a link to Amazon or wherever you're selling. And, and that's the very, very basic free thing that you need to do. So anyhow, that's a long way around of telling you that I've just been inserting and updating that advice uh, because my advice at the time was to just get a WordPress site and I showed you how to do it for free, which I still explain how to do for free, where you don't have to pay for the hosting. It's still possible to do that. And um, But I always recommend paying for it. You know, get, go to HostGator, go to SiteGround, set up a website that you own and control. And the joy of WordPress is that if you, for instance, changed your mind about your web host, you just export the site and migrate it to different hosting. This is what we say about you own, you own the content of that website. And it's the same with email marketing. Uh, you know, if you're on MailerLite and you've got a thousand subscribers, you suddenly decide that you don't like MailerLite anymore. They change something that you don't like. All you do is you export the subscribers which you own and you import them into another system. So that's why that is the best. That's in a nutshell. It's going to save you reading a lot of pages. In a nutshell, that's why you know you should build your author platform. And I also I'm going to go into social media as well. Talk about social media because although I dislike social media. 
there are some very good SEO and technical reasons why social media can be a good thing. Anyhow, I'm not here to tell you what the book's all about, uh, just to give you a taster of it. But because I'm um, moving content over that I've already written and then just updating it, adapting it and removing stuff. So I am keeping it much briefer than the original book. And there are no illustrations in this. So I want it to be timeless, this book, or more timeless. Um, you know, I think when you do any kind of technology, th you know, things always change over time. But the I would like not to have to update this with um, until we've reached a three to five year period. That's, that's how I'm looking to make it timeless. So I'm talking about principles rather than the specifics of how to do things in this book. I'm up to 27 words. And so far, I've kind of done an introduction, why you need an author platform, an overview of author platforms. I have done how to create an author platform for free. I've explained how to set up a WordPress website for free, and I'm now going into a paid WordPress website. I'm talking about things like SEO, how to choose a domain name for SEO, all those sorts of things. So that is what that book is all about. And so don't be deceived by those 27,000 words. That's not 27,000 new words. If you ask me how many new words I'd written, it's probably no more than 5,000. Just, just for a guess. It's very difficult for me to assess because I'm cutting and pasting big, big wadges of text from a previous document and then I'm, I'm fleshing out the text around it and inserting sentences, removing sentences. Very difficult for me to give you a word count. So I'll give you the total word count, but so long as you understand that isn't 27,000 new words. It's, it's sort of where the project is up to. Now, I think I've got to watch it with the words with this because the original was quite a big book. So... I think what I'm going to do first of all is I'm going to restructure the content that I've got and then I may remove a lot of the words and boil it down even more so. So overwrite and then remove stuff that I can jettison because I, I would like it to be the same size of book, which is I think it's a five by eight size of book so that it, it, it you could buy all my nonfiction books. I'm aiming to have five nonfiction books at the end of this phase of nonfiction. You could have all my non-fiction books. They would all be branded. They'll all look the same and they'll all look nice on your bookcase. That's really what I'm aiming for in this next phase of non-fiction work. Now, this book's looking like it might be pretty big. So I just have to watch that. I want to, I, I need to keep it to about 50, 60,000 words, maybe. Otherwise, you're going to get quite a large book, I think. So anyhow, you know, it's early days. We'll just keep moving on with that and I'll, I'll let you know where we get to. Now, just to reiterate, by the way, if you would like to read that book as I go along, the Drive document, the Google Drive document is available now. If you want to email me at paul at paulteague.com, paul at paulteague.com, send me please a Gmail address because you'll need a Gmail address to be able to access the document and add your comments to it. But if you want to read that as you go along, and I find it very beneficial to have people making comments and I don't understand this and you've forgotten that, that sort of thing, uh, you're welcome to do that. Just drop me an email, paul at paulteague.com, and please include in that email your a, a Gmail address, which will then allow me to add you uh, as, a, as a shared document uh, so that you comment on it. Um, also, if you're interested in author platforms, uh, uh, one of my podcasts that I like to listen to, uh, she, I say every week, she hasn't been able to do it every week over the COVID period. I think she's home educating the kids and things like that. But Kirsten Oliphant, who I have an awful lot of time for, I've listened to her creative writing podcast uh, for several years now. But Kirsten has done a couple of podcasts on author platforms. But this week's episode, as of 9th of January, Kirsten's episode uh, is about building your author platform in 2021. 
Now, uh, people who talk about websites are like car mechanics. So if you take your car into two car mechanics, somebody will tell you something's wrong and the other car mechanic will tell you something else is wrong and they'll both bill you differently. And it's a bit like that with websites. You know? So Kirsten will tell you her way of building an author platform. I'll tell you my way of building an author platform. And there'll be overlap and there'll be differences. So, uh, you know, what I would always say with everybody who ever tries to teach you anything or share their experience, take what resonates with you and what's useful for you and jettison what isn't. You don't have to slavishly follow any one person. This is why I listen to podcasts. I listen to lots of podcasts. Some things just aren't for me. So there's a, there's a lot of talk at the moment about recording audio books. Well, I'm not going to do that. I did that four years ago, paid about 600 pounds or dollars i paid 600 pounds of dollars to get the secret bunker one recorded in audio book form i wanted to do that and would have done that anyway because i like to if i'm talking about these things i like to know what i'm talking about i like to have had the experience of doing it but i i could not make my money back on that book and so my personal experience and my personal recommendation to you would be if you're not selling an awful lot of the paperback books then you probably shouldn't consider getting the the fiction audio book done, but I would always recommend getting a non-fiction audio book done. Now, why haven't you done your audio books, Paul, for your non-fiction? Well, the reason is, is that I am the best person to voice my non-fiction audio books. I, th I think it works better if the author, because it's about expert positioning, if the author does it, and I'm perfectly capable of doing it. The sad truth is I just can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry about that, but I, I know what work is involved. I know that every time my chair squeaks, every time a dog barks out on the road outdoors or something like that, or something drops on the floor, that's an edit. And I know how much work is involved in that. And I just, I can't be bothered to do it. So I'm very happy to record a podcast like this where I'm just busking it and it's coming off the top of my head. But I know that to do a performance reading, the quality needs to be much higher the editing the pain is much greater and I just can't be bothered to do it that's the simple truth of it even though I know I should know one of these days I might surprise you and say guess what I did I locked myself away and I did it and actually and I might consider it I was thinking about this the other day when I was doing some corporate work I set up a podcast for them and we bought one of these um I don't know what they're called they're like a mic windshield it was a big metal frame that had audio cushion inside it and it wrapped around the microphone and we used to use that and it was funny I was thinking about this little makeshift office I've created here that one of those would just sit nicely on this table it would actually allow me probably to create audio in pretty good quality so I was thinking about that and you know one of these days I might just surprise you and say guess what I've just voiced up one of my shortest audio books and I've been able to release it because I want to do it. I just can't be bothered. I know that's terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. Uh, so maybe it'll get done one of these days. The, the other thing I'm waiting for is I know that Google have started to experiment by using AIs to to make audio books available where audio books aren't already available. And I have to say that my preferred option, certainly for nonfiction, is to get it done as an AI. Now I have experimented with, I've forgotten what the, is it Descript, something like that. I have experimented with an AI that allows me to record my own voice and it's, it's nowhere near. It's just nowhere near acceptable as far as I'm concerned yet. Uh, it's way off. So until I hear an AI, that's either capable of 
producing a reasonable non-fiction audio book, either in my voice or another voice, I'll probably give it a, a wide berth. Um, anyhow, that's just, uh, I don't even know how I went off on that. <laughs> how did I get there? That's just a little sidetrack anyway. Oh, yes, right, author platforms, that's right. I was just saying about if, um, you know, Kirsten might say one thing, I might say another. Though I have to say, usually when I listen to what Kirsten produces, I think, yeah, 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 we're singing off exactly the same hymn sheet there. So I tend to agree with Kirsten's view on these things, you know, about 98% usually. Um, she's probably just a little bit more social media biased than I am. And to be honest with you, she's true. Uh, you know, she's right. Um, I, as you know, I don't like social media, so I'm more inclined naturally to back off it. I think she's more inclined to like social media, so she's more inclined to go for it. So, so long as you can read in between the lines there, um, you know, you'll probably get quite an accurate uh, description. But, you know, Kirsten, again, is very realistic about social media. She won't say, oh, do everything. You know, you've got to be on all the channels, which is, I think, is the wrong advice. You know, I think you've got to pick one or two channels and do them well. So that's where we're up to the um, author platform book. I also incidentally this week did the same with my email marketing book. So uh, I'm going to do, um, my plan is to have the author platform done by the end of January, I hope, and then to do uh, an email marketing book, which will focus mainly on MailChimp and MailerLite, which uh, I'll probably have to involve some ConvertKit in there too, because I think ConvertKit has a free trial now. So I'll have to amalgamate those, but that's hopefully February's project, depending on how I get distracted by side trips and adventures while we're in Spain. Um, and then that'll give me five non-fiction books. Now, these books will not make me a fortune. Um, that is not the purpose of me writing them. They're not the kind of non-fiction book that would make me a fortune. But what I found with my non-fiction books is they sell steadily, the trick that I've learned is to make them timeless so I don't have to update them every year. Um, you know, you're looking to a three to five year period for updating, I think. Just because I have so many books and I'm writing so many books, I don't want to have to be refreshing things all the time. Um, you know, and, and Joanna Penn will talk about this again. She has nonfiction books which she has to refresh every now and then because the, the situation changes. Well, when I wrote them last time and I had all the screenshots, I was having to re refresh them far too often. So at least I've broken that cycle now. But I'm aiming this year to have a series of five branded, consistent, non-fiction books. And the purpose of them is to make what I call a chugging income. My non-fiction always makes me income and I don't have to do very much to, you know, it's not a big income, but it's a steady income. And, 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 it, and it goes on and on month after month after month. It doesn't fade away like fiction does. So they're there to create an ongoing steady income, but they're also there for expert positioning to say, this is, I'm Paul Teague, these are the things that I know about. This is me setting out my stall technically. These are the things I know about. So the things I know about are digital product creation. They are podcasting, obviously. They are self-publishing to a certain degree of success. So I can at least say, well, this is how I got to five figures a month, you know, to a certain medium degree of success with self-publishing. I could also talk about all the platforms. I've been working on the web since the year, oh, 20 years now, 2000, the year 2000 is when I started working on the web for the BBC, uh, won a couple of international awards at the BBC, you know, so I've got a kind of remit 
to, to talk about those things and to comment about those things and then also email marketing. Now, the, the irony is, is that I write about things and often, you know, the attitude is do as I say, not as I do. Because even in the podcast book, you know, you know that I've told you that the only way these episodes are getting out are if I don't hyper edit them. If I just literally record them as I am now with a cup of tea at my side take out the worst edits like if I fall off my chair or knock something off the table you know take the worst um, things out but pretty well just run it as a stream of consciousness now I know that if I were doing this properly I should have the theme music back and I should be seeking sponsors and I should edit it so that you've got no ums ahs slurps pauses knocks bangs or any of that sort of stuff but I also know that my prime objective in my business is to write publish and market my books the podcast is a is a side line of that at the moment so it has to take second place which is why I don't spend ages uh, editing it so that's just how it is so yeah I, a lot a lot of the time in those books I'm, I'm really telling you what I've I've learned and the best practice even though I might not always always do it it is very much done on an information sharing basis This podcast is supported by affiliate sales of SiteGround, the hosting service I use to set up and manage my own WordPress websites. SiteGround is cheap, reliable and fast, and it offers excellent support. Make sure you use their dedicated WordPress hosting to get your websites loading fast and to take advantage of their free one-click SSL certificates. When you buy SiteGround through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds, and that goes to support my time and effort in producing this podcast. To check out the best WordPress web hosting service for your indie author website, head over to paulteague.com forward slash SiteGround. Moving on to this week's marketing update, I did a big review of my Facebook ads this week. Now, you know that I started advertising my Sci-Fi and my Mork Bay trilogy, around, I think it was around Christmas, either just before or after, or certainly over Christmas. And they'd been running for about 10 days, and I hadn't gone through my numbers over Christmas and New Year. And in actual fact, in Spain, we had a bank holiday here, the Three Kings Festival on Wednesday. So in Spain, we're now clear in the way that in the UK or and elsewhere in the world you're generally clear of that festive break after the 1st of January in Spain you're not clear of it until the 6th of January so we've just cleared Christmas now you know decorations are done so now things are a bit more settled I sat down went through in very fine detail my Facebook ads now up to about Christmas I was just advertising the 12 pack of books that was profitable and so I I added adverts to Australia and Canada, and the cost per click of those adverts was very low, so that looked encouraging at first. I then added in Morecambe Bay adverts. If you recall, one of those Morecambe Bay adverts went to the UK and excluded a 50-mile radius of Morecambe. The other Morecambe Bay advert went to a 25-mile radius of Morecambe. So I was basically trying not to overlap. So you, you know you were seeing the ads more times than you should. That's why I made it a 25 and a 50-mile radius, just to allow for that, that kind of overlap in Facebook's database. And I also started to advertise the seven-pack of sci-fi books. Now, the other day, as I say, I went through it very with a fine-tooth comb. So what I was basically doing is seeing for each day how much I'd spent on each of the ads and then seeing how much 
income I'd had from each of the books or box sets that I was selling. Unfortunately, it didn't make very happy reading. The Sci-Fi 7-pack was making a loss. The Walk Bay books were making a loss. The 12-pack is still making a profit, but it's not making as much profit it was making. But the other thing that I had noticed was is now I've started advertising again and people are moving through that book. And the, you know, somebody's obviously reading it because the reviews just keep going up. We're about 1,100 and something or other uh, reviews on that book now. The other thing I've noticed now I'm promoting the book again is that as people finish that book, I have a promotion at the end saying, want to read the book that wasn't included in this section, then read No More. Is it No More Secrets? No, it's uh, Now You See Her. Now You See Her was the book. And so I've seen my sales of Now You See Her go up, which is always a consequence of me advertising that 12-pack. And also now I've built in a cross-promotion to Trust Me Once. So you can buy that 12-pack for 99 pence or 99 cents or read it for free in Kindle Unlimited. And then I push you to Now You See Her, which is a full price standalone book. And then I push you to Trust Me Once, which is the, um, you've already read the first book, Bay Trilogy. So it's a full price book. It's three full price books, basically, from a 99p sale. That's the strategy with that. I get you in for 99 pence. Um, I make the money on the page reads, but I also, hopefully if you love those books, you then go on to buy Now You See Her. And, and now, since I did it the last time, the second Walk and Bay trilogy. So that's how I kind of, that's the aim of making my money there. So I have decided to prune the ads and I'm, I'm very sad to say it and I'm very reluctant to say it, but I am struggling to make money on that sci-fi seven pack. And I don't really know why. It, it's That seven pack is well reviewed. It, it's not got anywhere near as many reviews. I can't remember how many reviews it's got, but it was doing all right for reviews. They were, you know, 4.4, 4.5 average. So it was being reviewed. I think it's probably fair to say that the seven pack was being reviewed better than the individual books were, mainly because the individual books were were given away for free um, in, in my in the early days of my career. So many of those were given away for free, and that, I think that tends to bring the reviews down a little bit. I think that's a penalty that you pay for that. Um, but I, I'm really, and I don't know why, because it's excellent value. But I, I, it's probably because I've got the wrong audience. But I think at the moment, when I saw that that was just making a loss, how much I was spending and how much, how many sales I was getting, I thought I've got to switch that off. So I've switched the sci-fi one off. I've also switched off the Canadian and the Australian ads. So although the clicks are cheap, the sales aren't good. The sales I'm making on that 12-pack are in the UK and the US, and it is profitable, consistently profitable on the UK and the US. So um, I've, I've basically, um, I'm going to allow, what I did with the Walker Bay ones, I want the Walker Bay ones to run because I want that those ads to run while the TV series is on. And we've got a date for it now. It starts on the 20th of January, so it'll probably run for maybe four to six episodes. That's usually how long series last in the UK. So it'll last into February. So I want to keep those ads running all the time the Bay is being advertised and on TV and there's a buzz about it. So I'm going to use the profits off the 12 pack to subsidize the loss on the Walker Bay trilogy. Now, it may not be in loss when the page reads get going on it. You know, so again, it may be that I've just been too impatient with it. 
but I, I, I can't afford to lose across all of the ads. So I'm basically letting the 12 pack fund the, and they're not big losses, but small losses on the Morecambe Bay box set to see if I can get that Morecambe Bay box set going over the period of the, of the Bay TV series. Now, the other thing I've done now is I was getting the same cost per click on the Morecambe ads as I was on the national ads, the UK ads. So what, it, what I've done now is I've just amalgamated my Morecambe Bay trilogy adverts into one advert which targets the audience that I've got you know a couple of authors ITV whatever I was able to target um, and I put it into one advert that covers the whole of the UK now so I haven't got the the Morecambe people and the UK people excluding Morecambe I've just gone for a, a general UK audience now and I'll monitor that and see if that starts to come in profit so uh, you know that was quite a shock but the way I did it is I, I I've always had a spreadsheet I was quite quite late to doing this last year when I started making the money, the, the, the sort of five-figure months. And what I did is I went right back to January of 2020, and I've got a spreadsheet now that records every day my ad spend, including Amazon ad spend, and my book income to make sure that I'm in profit all the time. And, and why I sort of bulked here is that in all that time, I have never made a loss on a day except one of the days when I was running all those ads. It's my first loss in almost a year of advertising on, on Facebook, one uh, loss in a day, one, one lost day. Otherwise, I've always been overall in profit, even though a particular advert might have been a loss. I've always generated overall in profit. So in terms of what I sold in a particular day, in terms of what I paid for ads in a particular day, one day of loss in a year, which is not bad actually, is it? But the, the profit isn't as much as I want it to be at the moment. You know, it really, it, it just doesn't feel like I'm, it's not flying. It's going, it's going fine. You know, there's comments on it, it's all positive, but it's just not flying like it did last year. So being a lot more cautious uh, with it and just watching those numbers. But in the spreadsheet, this, uh, I broke down the spreadsheet now so that I could specifically monitor uh, rather than just total income, total outgoings, that I was breaking it down to, Ad costs for sci-fi, income for sci-fi. Um, you know, literally comparing like with like, really burrowing down into the details. So I've got like a, I think it's like a four-page spreadsheet now, so that I can uh, analyze each of my ads. But it's important to do this. You know, you need to know where your losses are, what's making a loss. Now I may come back to the sci-fi. I'm trying to achieve some financial targets at the moment, so. I, I kind of don't, I, I'm sort of making sure that, well, the, the, the tax is, is ready for this year. I, I've, I'm trying to find some creative ways of reducing what I owe in tax this year. So for instance, I renewed all my domain names that I'm renewing and keeping for a couple of years because that what that allows me to do, um, it's a business it's a business expense, obviously, but normally I might renew it when it's due next year, which means it falls in another tax year. But to reduce my what I pay for taxes, I've renewed the ones I'm keeping for a couple of years, which reduces my income, which then reduces my tax liability. But I'm basically paying um, business expenses now rather than next year. Um, so, you know, that's a legitimate way of, of, of reducing my tax bill for things I have to pay for anyway. What else I paid for something else? Oh, I paid for my web hosting as well. Um, I, I'm allowed to pay a year up front for that. So it's not due till July, but I paid for it for a year ahead. So the money comes off this year and it, you know, it's, a, it's a business expense. So anything like that that I could do this year to reduce my tax as it's been a good earnings year, I am doing. 
Um, and also, obviously, I'm keeping the ads going, as I said to you last week, because um, I don't get the money. <laughs> I don't earn the money in my bank until sort of March, April, May for money I'm spending now. Um, the money doesn't come back in. So it's again, it's a way of reducing my tax liability for this year on legitimate business expenses. Now, what you hope is that you're, you sell lots of books. So that, for instance, I might spend a thousand pounds in January on Facebook ads, but earn 5,000 in income. So in this tax year, it takes a thousand pounds off my tax liability but it adds a 5,000 of income in a brand new tax year. Now, you know, if you continue to make money at that rate, you just, what happens, you just bump the tax problems from year to year to year. But my, you know, if you ask me to bet, I don't think I'll have a year like I had last year, next year. I don't think that will happen. I think it was the COVID factor that allowed me to do that. I think my income is going to settle pretty well, maybe just a little bit higher than it was beforehand. But I don't think I'll be doing any, any astounding things. You know, I'm, it might, might, that might not be the case, but that's, that's if I were a betting man, that's what I would say. So to me, if I can uh, mitigate what I've, I owe in tax this year and carry forward some of those expenses, pay them in a year when I'm flush so that I'm not paying them in a year when I've got less income. To me, that makes more sense uh, from a taxation point of view. Uh, so that's what I've done with my ads this year. Still paying for ads, obviously, um, pushing the 12 pack, pushing the Morgan Bay pack, but just take a little step back from those ones that were quite clearly making losses. Now, I may well return to them. And when I return to them, I'll need to try different visual graphics, I think probably I'm targeting the wrong audiences. So I need to experiment with some different audiences. But for now, now I'm working on a non-fiction book. I'm just going to park that for a while. I've been listening to the Six Figure Authors podcast, as I do every week. I highly recommend it. There's loads of great information on marketing there. And again, I said to you last week, you know, I'm really enjoying podcasts now where people are very honest. They're painfully honest about the things that don't work, which is just very informative, very educational for us. Um, and so because I'm, I'm, I'm really not having any success with my science fiction in Kindle Unlimited and KDP Select, you know, I've tried it and, it and it just doesn't sort of fire in the way that the thrillers do. So I, had, I looked up the dates and I'm actually out of KDP Select with, for my sci-fi on the 9th of February. And I was listening to them talking about this on the Six Figure Authors podcast. They were basically saying that, you know, they still maintain that perma-free works on book one in, in old series. That, that That's what they recommend. Just have a perma-free. So I think what I'm going to do, having listened to that and thinking, you know, I really am struggling with Kindle Unlimited with sci-fi. I think on the 9th of February, I'm going to take them out of KDP Select again, again, and I'm going to put them, I'm going to put book one for the grid, book one for Secret Bunker on perma-free. I'm going to list them wide and I'm going to do some free booksy, book bub wide promos on those because that seems to make the most money most consistently for me, to be honest with you. And I'm going to um, do a bit more list building, I think. I haven't done any list building, proactive list building for a while which means I can put Secret Bunker 1 and Grid in some book funnel promos. And I may even run my own, I may even run a couple of book funnel promos because I think you do better when you run the promo rather than taking part in somebody else's promo. It's also extremely good for making author contacts in your genre. So um, from the 9th of February, I've unchecked all the boxes. All my sci-fi will come out of KDP Select and I will... 
I think, do a bit of list building with my sci-fi, do some free booksy, bargain booksy promos with them, and I think I'll go back to book one in perma-free and list them wide. My non-fiction, just to remind you, are also listed wide at the moment. Now, I think it was last week or the week before, I said that I'd heard, it was probably six-figure authors, I'd heard it somewhere, somebody saying, don't price your non-fiction at 99 pence or cents, because what does that say about the value inside? Then I, I bumped my prices up for the e-books to 9.99. Um, that, you know, they were, they were selling at that, but what I've decided to do is leave the, I want to have a differential really between the the ebooks and the paperback. So I've I've put them back to what they were originally, which is four ninety nine in the UK for an ebook and five ninety nine in the USA, and the paperbacks are all nine ninety nine. That's for my non fiction. Now again with the non fiction, not really had any joy with non fiction in KDP Select. So I've gone back to wide listings again. I don't really feel with my non fiction that. I think that you might buy one of the books on its own, but I don't think you'd buy the series necessarily. So it's a little bit difficult. I don't really want to put those, there's no benefit really for me putting those on any kind of a promo other than to sh just shift units. I don't, I don't really put books in promos just to shift units. I put books in promos to sell book one of a series. So I make money on books two, three and subsequent books. So, I was thinking with my non-fiction, what I might start to do with my non-fiction, when it's, now it's listed wide, is create some 10%, 20% uh, preview files in BookFunnel, and then see if I can take part in some BookFunnel promotions so that I'm giving away 20% of the book and you know people who are interested in that can then read it. And if they're interested in it, they could then go on to buy the rest of the book. And what I might do with that, because I have done this before. When I listed those non-fiction books originally, I listed them in PayHip so I could sell them directly myself. What I might then do is just try a different strategy, which is to put 20% of the non-fiction books in BookFunnel non-fiction promos, then to have a call to action at the end of the book to say, if you want to read the rest of the book, you could you know, either buy it from Kindle and all the usual channels or you could buy it from me directly for an exclusive price where I take the money directly. You know, I really just experimented to see the best way of making money with these books. And the, the conclusions I've come to is that I, I personally am struggling to make my money on sci-fi in KDP Select. I make more money when it's wide and I could do the promos on it. Now, that's my fault, probably you know, not the fault of anything else in that I, I'm probably advertising to the wrong audience. I, it's probably something I'm doing wrong. But for the meantime, I think really my lead products are, are thrillers. Thrillers are where I'm making all my money at the moment. So I want to put my energies into that. So I, I want to sort of leave my nonfiction and sci-fi in a way where I can, without making too much effort, um, sweat my back catalogue and make money from them. So my conclusion is, while I'm, 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 I'm thrashing my thrillers, that's, that, that's where my focus needs to be because that's where my money is at the moment. If I, if I put my sci-fi on perma-free and then top up my list um, you know, in book funnel promos, if I make samples of my non-fiction, top up my non-fiction list and try and sell direct and, and through the other channels by giving away samples, I've then got a strategy, a marketing strategy for my other two genres. And then the money that I spend on Facebook and Amazon ads and all the other things will go into my thrillers. 
Now, I said to you last week that I do like writing in different genres because it gives me a palate cleanse in between books. So at the moment, I, although I am beginning to think about the next Morecambe Bay trilogy, the thought of writing it right now horrifies me. I need a break. I need some downtime from writing thrillers. And so it's delightful for me. I'm really enjoying writing this non-fiction again. It really does refresh me doing this. I'm thoroughly enjoy, enjoying writing the non-fiction. I could do it in front of the telly. You know, I could do it with the door open, chatting to my wife. It, it requires a different level of concentration and input from me. It also uses different parts of my brain. So I, you know, I enjoy writing about this kind of stuff. It's it's geeky stuff that I enjoy doing, um, you know, that sort of stimulates my brain. So, you know, it completely refreshes me. But in terms of my marketing, in terms of selling those books, it does divert my attention. I'm trying to sell sci-fi, non-fiction and thrillers. And to be honest with you, I'm not very good at managing my whole portfolio of books. So I think in the meantime, certainly my thrillers are where it's at at the moment. I just want to set those up in a way where they'll kind of take care of themselves. You know, I've got a fairly basic process for selling them and it won't take too much of my time. And then I want to devote my time, I think, to selling the thrillers, which are where the money is and where my focus is going. My main focus is going certainly for the next year. I do also want to do some more list building. My list has been, I mean, I'm, I'm terrible at this. I'm about to write a book on email marketing. And then I don't even write a monthly email to my list. I know it's terrible, isn't it? But it's like um, it's like the thought of doing an audio book. I just can't bring myself to do it. It's terrible. It's like an evening's work. I can put a CD on you, listen listen to a, an album, and I'll have it done in no time. But you know, ultimately, I think this is just about the way we're wired, isn't it? I'll have to think of things to tell people about what I'm watching on telly and what I'm up to in my life, and it's just not it's just not the way. I'm happy to sit here and do it in a podcast. You see, I should maybe just do an audio update, shouldn't I? I'm probably answering my own question. I've probably said this to you before. See, the thought of sitting down and writing it doesn't work for me at all. But I'm quite happy sitting here talking into a microphone and rabbiting on about stuff. And so I wonder if I should, you see, that's really the answer, isn't it? I should probably do an audio update, which I send out by email with a short email on there and just a little, you know, listen now to my latest audio update. That's probably what I should do. And to be honest with you, it would probably be better for, relating to your readers because they would hear your voice and hear your personality because it's easier to relate to people like that i've probably answered my own question i'll make a note of that somewhere consider that but it might just be better for me to talk for five minutes and give people a bit of audio and maybe or just maybe record it into youtube and do my updates that way but there's some real resistance from me sitting down and sending out those emails to my list. But I do want to, you know, I, I understand how a list works. I totally understand the importance of a list, even though I don't do it. I understand the importance of a list. But I'm stuck around 5,000 subscribers and have been for ages, to be honest with you. So the other thing is, I was thinking, I want to do a bit of list building. I really must make an effort to try and do something this year with my list, because I just ignore it most of the time. So, um, I thought the non-fiction samples with the upsells to the full books, the sci-fi permafreeze, um, you know, would, will help me to build my list. I'm paying for MailerLite. I'm paying for BookFunnel. I'm, I might as well be doing something on it. So I think that's going to be my strategy uh, moving ahead. And then if I if I feel like it, I will return to trying to figure out how to do paid advertising that works, you know, in a bigger way on my non-fiction and my sci-fi. But again, Amazon ads, uh, I can sell non-fiction 
on the automated Amazon ads. I find that quite easy. I just put all three books into one ad. I do auto-targeting. I don't write any text. And it seems to work on the Amazon ads. In the US and the UK, it seems to, they always seem to be in profit, those ones. So, But they don't sell any books. You know, I can't scale it up. It won't sell any more books for me. But it goes chug, 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 and I'm happy with that. So that's what I'll do with the non-fiction. Um, struggling to make the thrillers of the sci-fi work. I could shift a lot of copies. Um, so with the sci-fi and the 12 pack, if I put those on Amazon, I could get some great figures, but the I, I, I don't know whether I'm making any money on it. That's what makes me nervous about it. I, I get lots of buys. I don't trust the page reads in those ads because my page reads in the Kindle dashboard tell me that I'm getting loads of page reads, but my ads don't seem to reflect that. Now, I know there's a lag in reporting, which frankly, in this day and age, isn't really acceptable in an ads interface. But you know, I know, I know I'm getting lots of page reads, but my ads aren't reflecting that. So if I, if I could trust the page reads in Amazon ads, because on the, on, on the surface, I may, I'm, I'm making a loss. But if I was getting the page reads to, to counteract the spend on those ads, you know, I'd be happier doing it. But I mean, let me just go into my page reads. You see, the, the, the page reads are going up. Um, they're above 10,000 a day now. I think that's right. So I'm recording this on the 8th of January. So I said to you, I think the first time I told you about my page reads, I was below 10,000 a day. I think it was about 10,000 a day last week. So we're eight days into this month and my page reads are currently 101,000. So right at this moment in January, I've had 101,383 page reads. So I'm I've built my page reads over 10,000 a day. We're about, what are we now? About, we're about 13,000 a day. So can you see how the page reads are going up with the with the adverts? You know, we went, we we're about 9,000, 9, 9,500 a day first time I mentioned it, about 10,000 a day last week. We're now 12,500, 13,000 a day now. So those page reads are going up, you know, in spite of what I was telling you about not making a profit up front on the on the adverts, so you know you do have, you do have to watch this to make sure you're not cutting off your nose to spite your face, because those page reads do hit a critical point where they then start to carry you forward. You have so many people reading your book that the page reads then become like a wave that picks up a surfer and pushes the surfer forward. But it takes time to achieve that. It doesn't happen immediately, and, and you know so a bit nervous. And the page reads are coming in on. The page reads are coming in. Uh, the majority of them have come in off my 12-pack, of course. But my Morecambe Bay trilogy, which is running at a loss, is second. And then my sci-fi book is um, is third on that. So, you know, uh, what conclusions could you draw from that? It's, it's all very difficult. Anyway, I'm making the best judgments that I can, just trying to make sure that I stay in profit all the time. But I am going to tweak a couple of things. Um, you know, this year and try and refocus on list building, try and find a way of communicating at least once a month with my email list, particularly as I'm about to write a book on email marketing best practice. I ought to try and use a bit of it myself. Before I move on from this marketing section to my general news, I just wanted to let you know about a mistake that I've made. I've got a big mistake coming up next, by the way. A really big mistake to tell you about this week. Get ready to wince at my expense. But this is a mini mistake just to get you warmed up. Um, I realised uh, in between when I, well, in between season two and season three of this podcast, I realised 
that I've probably made a bit of a, an error on titling one of my non-fiction books. And the reason for that was, is I was making sales on my Create Products book and my podcast book, but I wasn't making as many sales on my five-figure fiction formula book. And to be honest with you, it's completely obvious why that is. The reason for that is that the title, um, the title doesn't say what it is. So it, it, it's what I say with, with SEO, search engine optimization, say what you see. Is when I'm teaching, I say to people, say what you see. So with SEO, you know, you put a search term in and then you get results that reflect the search term. So how to start a podcast, which is one of my nonfiction books, is a perfect title because that's what people put into Google. They type into Google, how do I start a podcast, start a podcast, how to start a podcast. And so because my book's then keyworded, my book and everybody else's, comes back in the search results. Now, the problem with five-figure fiction formula is although it's a nice catchy title and it works in the context, say, of a podcast like this where I'm explaining to you, oh, I made five figures in a month and you know my book explains how I did that. In the context where I explain it to you, that title makes perfect sense. But when I release it into the wild, it doesn't really work because no one's looking for five-figure fiction formula. It is a very nice title, but it's not it's not SEO friendly. If I made that book title SEO friendly, it would be something boring like how to self-publish a book. That, that frankly is the best title for that book. Now that's not as sexy as five-figure fiction formula because what attracts most people is the prospect of making money. You know, how to self-publish a book sounds like work. Five-figure fiction formula sounds like uh -huh, money, easy money. That's what it sounds like. And that takes me back to my internet marketing days that you would title things in a way that made people think that you know it, it oh easy money because that's what makes people buy whether they you know people will say oh it sounds scammy but they'll still buy it if it sounds like it's an easy uh, an, easy, an easy process so i titled that in an internet marketing way but i should have titled it in a non-internet marketing way now um sean stevens from flintknot covers i uh, emailed him probably before christmas i think it was just before christmas and he's actually remade the cover for that. And I can't remember what I call it, something like how to self-publish and market your book. It was something like that that was more keyword friendly. So I've got that cover. I've paid for that cover. But I, I need to, um, you know, bef uh, before I publish it, I need to change the title of the book, republish it and all of that. So I, I was good to do that. And I thought, you know what? You know, the book, it's still selling, but not, not very many now. But also, it's actually a good book, which gets promoted through this podcast. So I can, you know, now the podcast is back. I can make sales for people who find the podcast, want to do self-publishing, hear about my book, go and buy the book. So I do have a, a way of selling that book. But I think in the short to long term, I just need to re-nose that book to remove the references to five-figure fiction formula and and just basically replace the title in it and then probably republish it with a title that will be more SEO friendly over time. So to be honest with it, it's a bit of a basic error for me to make, um, but it, it kind of, it, it depends how you sell it. You see, if it works well to sell through this podcast, because in this podcast, if you're listening to this, that's what you want. You know, I'm trying to get to five figures regularly you're trying to get to if you haven't got there already you're trying to get to five figures if you haven't got to five figures you're trying to get to four figures or you're trying to get to three figures you know we're all we're all trying to get to the next whatever it is figure month or year so this is the perfect audience with which to sell that particular book but it's not seo friendly 
for Amazon. Um, but I just noticed in the Amazon ads, for instance, um, that the create products and the sell podcast book sells through Amazon ads, but the five figure book wasn't. And I was just thinking to myself, why is that? And I thought, I know why it is. It's probably because Amazon struggles to tell what that book is. It doesn't know what that book is, I guess. And, you know, and that's a keywording fault of mine. So I just thought I'd mention that to you. You know, SEO, particularly with nonfiction, is a really important thing. And even though I know the principles of it, you know, I can still make a little mess up, a base a fairly basic SEO mess up, like I did with the five figure fiction formula. If you're ready to move your self-publishing career out of the doldrums, then you should check out my non-fiction book, The Five Figure Fiction Formula. Available in ebook and paperback formats, and distributed via Amazon, Apple, Google, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo, this book explains how I achieved my first five-figure earnings months, resulting in four Amazon All-Star bonuses. Having self-published more than 23 books across three genres, I've condensed a process which took me four years to master, you can hear every twist and turn in season one of my podcast diaries. If you want to take your author career from zero to five figures without the detours, delays, and frustrations, then start reading the five-figure fiction formula today. Just head for bookstoread.com forward slash formula to get started. Those of you who like longer podcast episodes are getting exactly what you wanted this week. This is going to be over an hour, so apologies if you like them short, and congratulations if you like them long. You've got a nice long one, but I do need to tell you about my big cock-up. Oh, I can't believe I've done this, right? Don't ever think, just because I got lucky and had a couple of five-figure months, that I know exactly what I'm doing, because I still make embarrassing cock-ups. And this one was so embarrassing, I had to think to myself, am I going to share this with you? But I thought, oh, what the heck? <laughs> Go on. Nobody died. Let's share it with you. All right. So you might want to settle in with a cup of cocoa and I'll tell you what I did this week. And this is another one of my Homer Simpson dough moments. I got an email, very nice email from a reader this week after I'd recorded last week's episode saying, and actually it was the perfect email to deliver bad news it was a really well written email so congratulations to the lady who wrote it it was it was the perfect way to deliver bad news so she wrote me an email to say i, I really enjoyed the walk and bay trilogy i've read walk and bay one I couldn't wait to read the second one and she, she'd 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 read what she thought was but one in the second trilogy which is uh, trust me once and moved on to book two of the second trilogy, the title of which I've already forgotten. What's my second book called? Trust Me Once. Oh, I can't remember. Whatever book two is the second trilogy. I've just written the blasted thing. I told you I needed a break. And they were both the same. The interiors were both the same. So she, she what, what she thought was book one was book two. I had put the wrong interior in Trust Me Once. Now, now there is some, there is as like a, there is a, is a, every cloud has a silver lining. There's a silver lining to this story in that, it, it, the the wrong file wasn't there from day one. It was um, an updated file. So, for instance, when all the pre when all the pre orders went on day one, they were all the correct file. So it was a correction that that was wrong. It, not everybody who's ever bought Trust Me Once has got the wrong book. All right, because I don't know. I'll be telling you this now. You know, if if it was that embarrassing. So this lady very politely said 
and she blamed Amazon for it, which was even you know, which is even funny. She didn't blame me. It's me. It's me. I'm the incompetent one. Nothing to do with Amazon. Um, and so she, you know, she said Amazon seemed to have you know got an error with your book in that the, the files inside both books are exactly the same. So she'd read book two and haven't even hadn't even realised it was a book two. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? Um, anyhow. Anyhow, I thanked her. This was actually was on Sunday evening because I was just going to bed. These emails always come in just when you're going to bed. And I was just going to bed. And I said to my wife, I'll be up in 10 minutes. And I very, very quickly replaced the file. Now, let me tell you why I think that happened. Um, this is not me making excuses. But, you know, I am, you know, I do check things pretty thoroughly. I don't know about you, but Amazon did some updates. And I found the book uploading really glitching. Now, I don't think it's because I'm in Spain. I'm fairly sure it was doing it when I was back in the UK as well. But when I upload books, and, and I again, I thought it was my big files at first. I thought it was because the files were so big. But I've been having some real trouble when I've been uploading books. And I, you know, I do a lot of it because I often change the back matter and things. And I do check the books. I always, even if, when I put a file up, I always book preview, make sure it's the right book, you know, scroll through, make sure there's no problems. So I am, I am quite meticulous with this. And I do have all my book files organized, um, you know, clearly. But what I think happened with this, when I, um, I think it's been very glitchy recently and I keep getting errors. So I upload a book and I go to preview it and then it says, you know, can't preview. You've got to refresh. So I have to make sure it's uploaded the, the file that I wanted to and start all over again. And I try and preview. And when I preview, I maybe get to preview five pages, then it stops previewing the pages. And the only explanation I can give for this is that, yes, I did upload the wrong file. Clearly, I uploaded the wrong file and that's my fault. But I think that... Um, because I, I've done this before, either I've tried to preview it, it won't let me preview it, and so I've thought, oh, you know, the file's right, and and I've published it, um, and and it must have got caught up in one of those. You know, it's probably got at the end of the day when I'm ready to go to bed, I'm just trying to finish the files off, and it starts messing around. But I think it will be something like that. Anyhow, so how did I deal with this? Um, and, and this is probably, you know, what, what might be useful to you. Because, you know, I've, I have made a lot of mess ups in my internet marketing life. And, you know, I've never glib about these. I was horrified when I saw it. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, no one wants to make cock ups, but we're human and we do. And, um, you know, what I can tell you is that no one ever dies. I've made a lot of big cock-ups in my life online. You know, I think I've told you, do you remember, I don't know whether you remember CFAX. I once brought the old CFAX down for the northwest of England, um, for the BBC. I'd, I'd collapse the whole, all of the pages on themselves. And, uh, you know, you, you, these things feel like they're about, they're a tragedy when you do them. But there's usually a way out of it. There's usually a backup somewhere. There's, you know, usually something you can solve. And you just have to keep level-headed and think it through. So I've had my fair share of these <laughs> digital catastrophes over the years. And, and, you know, don't think I take this lightly. I'm horrified when I do them. But I, I've because I've survived so many now, I know there's usually a way out of it. So here's, here's what I did. The first thing for the customer was I wrote straight back to her. It was late on Sunday night. And I said, thank you very much. Um, I have changed the book file um, immediately. Let, let Amazon, you know, know. Um, and... Uh, I've put that right. Thank you very much for letting me know. It's late in the UK. Tomorrow morning, I will send you the full box set and I will you know, send you something for your trouble. So the next day, first thing over my shredded wheat in the morning, I um, I, had, I would have sent to them, her them that night, but I hadn't got them compiled yet. But I compiled um, in Book Funnel, Walker Bay Trilogy 2, 
And I also compiled in BookFunnel. I had them on, they're all for sale. I had the files, I just didn't have the BookFunnel links. I compiled um, another uh, series of three standalones into a box set. And I, so I, I, let, I let her have the full trilogy that she was trying to read in the correct order with the right files. And then I also gave her something by way of apology for her inconvenience. So, you know, from a customer point of view, hopefully you want a customer to think, you know, wow, that, that, that was great. You know, that's not, it's not a bad deal, is it? Uh, uh, you know, there was only one book that was wrong there. I ended up with uh, four free ones. So hopefully that then takes care of the customer point of view. The next thing was I was straight on to Amazon and I, I wrote to Amazon. And this is, this is also interesting, actually. I said to Amazon, look, I've, I've made a big mess up with this file. Everybody who's bought the file since this date, when I changed the file, the last published date, will have the wrong book. I know that in certain circumstances, Amazon could do what's called a, you know, a force replace on the file. They can force it so that everybody who's bought that book, when they download the file or read it, will get the, the latest version of it. So Amazon get back to me and say, oh, could you give us some specific examples you know, of things that are changing? Because they said people bookmark and, and highlight bits in books. And obviously, if they, if they just come in and swipe the original file and put a new one in, all those things get lost. And I said, well, it's a fiction book. And I said, you know, I don't, I can't give you a list of things. The old, the old book's wrong. <laughs> the old book's wrong. It's the wrong book. What more do you want? And, and they came back to me and said, and th this is crazy. Um, they said, not enough of the book. There aren't enough changes required in the book. It's the old book, Amazon. It's the old book's wrong. So anyhow, um, I, they gave me a feedback email and I said I wasn't happy with the response. And uh, I would like another customer representative to get back to me. Because, I mean, that makes no sense to me at all. If the whole interior is wrong on that book, that seems crazy. Now, of course, in Amazon's defense, when they replace the file, of course, it might replace the file on everybody's Amazon uh, Kindle, regardless of whether they got the wrong file or not. The other thing is, is I haven't seen anybody moaning in the reviews. No one said, oh, it was the wrong file, it's the wrong book, blah, blah, blah. You know, no one said that in the reviews yet that I've spotted. Um, and I would hope that I mean, it's only going to be a handful of people, by the way, who've got this wrong file. Uh, it's not going to be a lot of people because after the initial um, sales, I haven't done any promotion on it because, as you know, my long-term strategy with the Morgan Bay trilogy is to get the whole series out there. And also, I don't sell I don't promote the second trilogy my I promote the first trilogy I promote the first book in the first trilogy or the first trilogy and then I want them to read through to the second trilogy so I don't promote the second trilogy so I've only got um you know uh, organic flow if you want so there won't be an awful lot of people who've, who got that wrong copy of the book I would like to think that they would contact Amazon or me if they did and if they do rather than just moaning in a review they'll get what I sent that other lady who was very polite and, and did the perfect kind of, excuse me, the book's wrong. Um, you know, that was textbook. That was textbook way to handle a problem the way that lady handled that problem. And consequently, she ends up with loads of books, you know, and, and, a, and a thank you for letting me know. Um, so I'll see what Amazon say. But otherwise, you know, there's been no kickback from it yet. But that's really, I think, the best way I can handle it. So... You know, a huge basic mistake. Um, you know, I, I think I know why I made it, uh, because I do check my files very thoroughly. And I can only assume that, you know, I was trying to check it. Amazon wasn't playing ball. I thought, oh, you know, it'll be right and, and published it. That's all I can assume I did. 
Um, or, or I was having a brainstorm. I mean, I, I still can't remember the second title in that trilogy. So I might have been having a brainstorm with the titles. You know, I've got 30, how many books have I got now? 30-something books. You know, <laughs> I just get confused with the titles, as you know. <laughs> so it might have just been a, a palty brainstorm. But I think, you know, the learning point is, is you know, if you do make a mess up like this, all you can do is is put it right in the fairest way possible. That's all you can do. Don't have a panic. Don't have a meltdown. Just, you know, be sensible about it. Try and put it right. Offer an apology. Do, do what you can to put it right. We're not doing brain surgery. You know, we're not in a COVID ICU. Lives don't matter. It's just a book. It's a bit of digital stuff. You know, bottom line is it's very embarrassing. It's very uncomfortable, but no one dies. So do put it into context if you ever make a big cock up like that. I will try. I hope that's my cock up for the year. That should be it now. Hopefully we'll have none of those. Um. General writing news then. I've now moved um, all the blog posts I'm going to from paulteague.com to paulteague.net. You'll recall that I've moved all my web content now over to paulteague.net. I have selfpublishingjourneys.com, which has all the podcast content on it, and paulteague.net, which has all my fiction and non-fiction content on it now. So I've um, merged all the websites so I don't have to retain as many domain names. I salvaged some blog posts from paulteague.com. I mean, they're, they're not brilliant blog posts, but I just wanted to have something there. And if I ever do start to, you know, blog it again, and if I did, to be honest with you, it would be to support my non-fiction books. Um, but I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll set that up. I'll have that there. I'll have a bit of, I think I've got about, is it eight articles? Six, eight um, articles that I'd written in the past. They're not new articles. And it just means that I got a blog now at paulteague.net. If you're going to have a look at it, you'll see that I've got, you know, fiction. Sorry, I've got non-fiction. I've got sci-fi thrillers. I think I've got a link to the podcast and I've got a link to the blog on there as well. So you can basically reach everything I do from that one portal. Uh, but that was just a little bit of tidying up. I'm using as my theme now, I'm using Optimize Press 3. I've used Optimize Press since I was in internet marketing. It used to, it started life as a, it was always a WordPress plugin, but it started life as a sales page creator uh, or a landing page creator because you, you you couldn't get those in those days. It's years ago now. And it was always brilliant. And I, I migrated to Optimize Press 2, used that for years. And now they've moved on to Optimize Press 3. And I had a little bit of a learning curve with Optimize Press 3, but I, I've got the hang of it now and all the websites look fine. So I've now moved into Optimize Press 3 which allows me to have my blog on the site, but it also allows me still to create things like landing pages, sales pages, and things like that. So that's paulteague.net if you want to have a look at that. And I've also used the same system for selfpublishingjourneys.com if you want to see what I've done with those two sites now. I wanted to mention the Story Studio podcast again. That's its second mention. I mentioned it last week because of the State of the Industry podcast that they were doing. But in this week's State of the Industry podcast, which was the last one in the series, they were talking to one of the creators of a Facebook group that I've just discovered. Um, can't remember where I heard about it first, but I've joined it and I'm getting a lot of value from it. It's called Wide for the Win. It's a Facebook group, Wide for the Win. And I will put the direct link on this week's show notes so you don't have to go hunting for it. But basically, it's a bunch of indie authors who are talking about the benefits and strategies for going wide. And because I'm doing that with my nonfiction, and actually I'm going to be doing it with my sci-fi now, I thought that's a really good place to, to be. 
And there's loads of really great discussion in there about how to market your books if you're wide, how to sell them, how to present them, you know, all the features and benefits and things like that. But the Story Studio podcast this week was, was one of the creators who was giving loads of tips about Apple and how to promote your books wide. And so I would recommend you do, if you are listed wide in any of your categories, your genres, go to thestorystudio.com, listen to that state of the industry interview the podcast episode and I will put the link for the Facebook group on this week's show notes but the group is called Wide for the Win. Very good group, well worth joining. So um, I had a rejection this week for my BookBub seven-pack sci-fi book so um, you'll remember that this is another reason that made me think Oof, I'm not really having a lot of luck with this I'd be better off going wide. So, for instance, that BookBub 7-pack, I would consider selling that for 99 pence or cents. I would do that one wide, actually. I think that in, with the BookBub, I would, if I sell, sell it wide at 99 pence or cents, I think I might make my money back on that. So, anyhow, I got rejected for a BookBub, and I'd put it in not for an international, was it, what were they called, international? I'd, I'd put it in for the cheaper one where you don't, promote it in the USA um, and they rejected me anyway so um, I've had a bit of a, a, a bad spot with bookbub rejections but I've been at this long enough though you just keep trying and then every now and then it's bingo and they let you in but that book will be I don't think I'll have a chance to put that in for another book but I might just scrape it before the 9th of February when I list them wide again but um, uh, I might just try it one more time and then list the books wide, and then I might try it at a 99 pence promo and BookBub and see how that goes. But um, yeah, I've had a couple of knockbacks from BookBub recently, but I will keep trying. That's all you can do with BookBubs. Don't take it personally. I just basically, I diary it every month, and I just keep submitting it every month, month in, month out, and some you win, some you lose. Um, this is a little tale of how fascinating the world of the internet is. I told you that I was promoting my Morecambe Bay series. And one of those ads was going in a 25-mile radius of Morecambe, the seaside town of Morecambe. And I got a comment uh, from, a, from a male, interestingly, because you'll know, you know, you know, you'll know that uh, atypically I had targeted those adverts at men and women. And it was from, I won't mention the guy's name, but I recognised the name. And he just put a comment saying, I'm, I'm enjoying these, great read. And um, and I recognised the name. It was somebody that I used to know at college. So I was I was at St Martin's College in Lancaster, which is the next city to Morecambe. So you know Morecambe's a couple of miles away, just a short bus trip away. So when we were students in Lancaster, we used to go to Morecambe as our local seaside resort. So you'd go there on a Sunday, you know, go there in the summer holidays and things like that. So they're very close. And I used to know this chap when I was a student at St Martin's College, and I was on the student union there. I used to um, edit the magazine, the student magazine, produce and edit the student magazine, and he was in charge of entertainment. And in those days, I used to do discos. So he and I used to work together. Well, I used to work with him with the magazine, you know, putting his content in there. But also, he used to book me and pay me because he was in charge of entertainment for the disco. So, you know, just, well, and, I, and obviously I contacted him and said, are you the chap that I used to know at the college? And he said, yes, who are you? And I, because it just, my message just came over as my page. And we had a little bit of a chit chat and a catch up. And interestingly, he's now uh, running. He, he runs 
in the Lake District um, as well. So, you know, it's just really an example of what a small what a small world it is. Uh, he'd seen my Morecambe Bay series. Thank goodness he's enjoyed it. That would be a problem, wouldn't it, if he'd said it was a heap of old rubbish and I'd recognised him and we'd had a little chat. But, you know, that is... That is, see, this is what's so frustrating about social media. Social media at its best is a thing of joy and wonder. You know, you, you, you can reconnect with people that you haven't spoken to for years. You know, you can have serendipity moments like that. I'm a huge fan of um, memes. You know, the, the, the meme humour on social media is hilarious. People share great information. They share funny stories and human stories. It can be a place of, of brilliance, social media, but it can be a place of complete junk and rubbish as well. And I guess my, my uh, you know, the tension with social media for me at the moment is, you know, I want to access it with the joy. That's what I want. I want the joyous side of social media, the lovely side of social media. And I want to get away from the, the gutter side of social media. And I guess my dilemma at the moment is, you know, how do I get more of the joy and how do I suppress the, the gutter side of it? That's really where I am with social media because I, I love social media at its best. I think it's just a thing of, of, of brilliance. You know, I love the way we can connect and share and laugh together, but I hate the way we can be horrible and, and, and negative. That's what I dislike about social media. But, you know, to me, that was just one of those sparkly moments from being advertising on Facebook that you should reconnect with somebody that I haven't spoken to for over 30 years. You know, we're both kids when we knew each other. <laughs> so now we're both middle-aged men running to try and get rid of our beer guts. That's that's how it works these days. I did just want to, um, I can't remember, I think I might have said this last week. I'm, I'm getting a sense of deja vu now. I think I did, I just wanted to make, be clear because I do want to be transparent with this. I think I said this to you last week, but I just wanted to be clear with an income correction that I think I might have told you I had 15 months of salary in the pot um, and, I'd, and I'd also got the money for the tax bill. I've got 12 months of salary in the pot because I took three months of salary to pay the tax bill. So um, I just wanted to be crystal clear about that. I don't want to create any impression that I've got more income than I have. So I think I told you I had 15 months of salary in the pot. I did have more than 15 months of salary in the pot, but I took that income it's about, about three months of it, to pay this year's tax bill. So I'm, I'm about 12 months ahead, uh, something like that at, at, at the moment, and all, and all the bills paid and the edits paid and things like that. Um, so I think I gave you three months salary that, I, that has been requisitioned for a tax bill. So I just want to be crystal clear about that. Um, Alex Newton has been sharing some pretty good content, actually, um, for free without you having to buy. I mean, I, I always say to people, I think the Calytics reports are great. I wouldn't, I'm not I'm not convinced of the value of a, one of the expensive memberships, but I'm totally convinced that if your genre comes up as a Calytics report, uh, buy it without thinking about it. You know, I buy the sci-fi ones, I buy the mystery thriller, psychological thriller ones, and I, I think I bought a non-fiction one recently too. So I buy all the genres. I just, you know, spend $37 on them, I read them, I take the keywords out of them, I get the category information from them, they're a great deal. But I haven't, I haven't personally yet seen the value of buying one of the big sort of expensive packs or having the membership. I buy them one-off and they're brilliant. Um, but he's been doing a lot of uh, free stuff recently and I just wanted to share another one of the free videos in case you missed it. He's done a free report on Kindle Daily Deals and are they worth it? And of course now in our Kindle interface you can now request one of these deals if you want to. Um, you don't have to be nominated for it or 
Amazon invite you, you can actually request it. So I've put the show, the, the URL, the, the web link onto this week's show notes, uh, but it's just very interesting. Now, I, I can give you a plot spoiler, and the answer is yes, they're worth it. But it's well worth watching the short video. It's not geeky, it's not technical, but it will just convince you of why it's worth it and how it's worth it, in what situations it's worth it. Um, but that's Alex Newton with another free video, Kindle Daily Deals, Are They Worth It? Just take a look at the show notes for the web link. Written Word Media, who are the people who do free booksy and bargain booksy ads, they are producing some brilliant web content. Highly recommend you make sure you receive their email updates. They've just done a feature called the Top 10 Publishing Trends for 2021 from Written Word Media. Uh, again, I won't talk you through this. I've put the web link on this week's show notes, but I do recommend you sign up to their content uh, emails. They really are producing some fantastic content these days. They do some really great uh, reader surveys as well. Really, really quality stuff. Um, but I, I, I don't know where they got the information from. I think they may have taken a lot of the information, potentially, from those story studio uh, interviews that I was talking to you about. I'm not sure where the information has come from, but they quote a lot of the people who were in that story studio series that I was telling you about, um, you know, the State of the Industry uh, series. Um, but it's a really good digest of information and publishing trends for 2021. Well worth a read. It's on this week's show notes. Okay, we're just into the last bits and bobs now. Um, I never thought I'd see the day, but I subscribed to Disney Plus for a month this month. And there are a few things on there. I'd heard a lot of people talk about The Mandalorian. And there's also, is it, was it uh, a Star Wars film? I haven't seen Rogue something, Rogue something or other. Uh, and I wanted to watch Mulan, the film. Um, very keen to see how they did Mulan, the film. Was there anything? Oh, and they've got um, what's the big musical that everybody's on about oh, in America? That one, you know, um, Hamilton. Hamilton. They've got Hamilton on there, and I just said to my wife, actually, you know, what is it? Six ninety nine, five ninety nine, whatever it costs. I said, if we just get Disney Plus for a month and clear a load of this stuff that I'm interested in looking at, you know, we'll get good value for money for that. So we've got Disney Plus. We we watched Mulan, which I really enjoyed. It was a real visual spectacle, so I really enjoyed Mulan. Uh, Hamilton's quite long, so we need to make sure we're sat down early enough to watch that. I watched, started watching The Mandalorian, which I had many people talking about. I'm a bit funny with Star Wars in that I was, I'm so old, I went, I queued at the cinema to see the original Star Wars at the cinema. And it was one of the things that made me write science fiction because, you you know, from a sci-fi point of view, you had never seen anything like it at the time. It was completely groundbreaking. You know, the, the ships were mucky and broken. They weren't all pristine and shiny. And it was, it was superb in the context, you know, of the year. But even back then, I didn't really like two and three. Uh, you know, I... I Number one was always fantastic and groundbreaking. And I can take or leave Star Wars a little bit. Um, essentially, I want to love Star Wars. I want to love it. But they keep making it a bit Disney. They, you know, they've got silly aliens and things like that. And and I, I like my sci-fi gritty and dark. Um, you know, if you look at the Battlestar Galactica, uh, second the, the modern version of that, that that's what I like. I, I like proper sci-fi, serious sci-fi. I don't like silly aliens and things like that. And that's that's my problem with Star Wars. So I want to love it, but often I don't. And, and The Mandalorian was a good example of that. That I enjoyed up to about episode five, and now it's just got to 
um, they've got Baby Yoda, who frankly looks no better than the models that they used to make gremlins with. I can't believe they can't improve the technology. He looks like a little model that you'd buy in a toy shop. Um, you know, it's no no better than the gremlins. In, when was gremlins released? 80-something, 80, 80 84, something like that? Um, they haven't improved the technology. You can tell it's just a little clockwork, you know, model. Um, and... So I'm quite surprised at that, to be honest with you. You know, in a, in a, in a modern series. But again, there's you know there's some brilliant robots. They had a sharp shooting robot in it uh, in, in the first or second episode, which was superb, uh, superb concept. And and some of the sci-fi concepts are superb. Um, but it, it's just turned into a you know man tries to protect Baby Yoda. Somebody tries to kill Baby Yoda. We have a fight. A Mandalorian wins. And, and it's just got it's just got very quickly boring for me. Uh, and, and so I always look at Star Wars with this great expectation because the, the effects are great. The ships are great. It's so imaginative. But it always descends into, you know, poor plot and silly aliens. Um and it never quite gets there for me. But anyway, I gave it a try and I'm going to watch the Rogue, whatever it is. I can't remember the title. Was it Rogue something? Rogue, whatever it is. You, you, if you're a Star Wars fan, you'll know. I'm going to give that a try because that's supposed to be a good film too. But, you know, I want to love it. I dearly want to love it, but it doesn't let me a lot of the time. So, yeah, Disney Plus, <laughs> we're on Disney Plus for a month. El, El Nino, the lottery, this is the, do you remember I told you we did El Gordo, which was the Christmas lottery in Spain, and El Nino, which is the, the big New Year lottery. That was drawn on the 6th of January. I got my email and I didn't win. So that's El Gordo and El Nino, no win in Spain this year. I think the first prize was something like 43 million euros, something like that. So oh, it just, just escaped me yet again. Uh, I'm just going to put, if you're kind of interested in, in what's going on in Spain and some of the things I've said in Spain, I've left them till last because you, you might not be the slightest bit interested in this. But I just wanted to share, I'll put them in the show notes this week, uh, just a couple of links that you might be worth having a look at. Um, we're in, we're in Torrevieja at the moment and, and for some crazy reason, Torrevieja has got a low incidence in Spain of COVID and uh, nobody really knows why that is. I'm very grateful for it, I hasten to add. Um, but we, we've just got, for the time being, until this super strain starts hitting everybody, for the time being, um, it's, we've got sort of a low incidence here. And there was an article on it this week. And I just thought, I'll share that on the show notes. If you're interested in that, you have, have a read of that. But we have got, um, it's very bad in, in like Madrid and other places in Spain. But um, in, in Torrevieja, they can't work out why it's so low. Um so I just thought I'd share that if you're interested. And then the other thing is I've been talking about the autonomo, which is how they charge for tax if you are in Spain. And I was explaining to you that you, know, you have to pay something like 300 euros a month, which is for your social security benefits, which I don't need. So it's dead money as far as I'm concerned. And then you pay your VAT and you pay your tax on top of that. And so it's too punitive for me at the moment. Um, and I've also just put a little link and a little article popped up in one of my Facebook feeds this week. And it, it, it just sort of explains it. And so if you're interested in seeing why I've made that decision, I'll also put a link up about that on the show notes this week. And then finally, again, this is not really writing, but it is all kind of writing in a way because it's about fitness and mindset and health and you know being in this for the long term. So I do drop the running and the activity stuff in here because I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's important. Joanna Penn was talking uh, again about being a healthy writer in her podcast episode this week. So, you know, it does feed into a, 
uh, being healthy as authors is two. Uh, two, but I got five of my twenty-one activities completed this week. I'm I'm taking part in the Great Run solo, which means I'm supposed to do twenty-one physical activities. They don't have to be runs; they can be walks. I have set some parameters for myself. So if I just walk to the shops and back, and that's uh, a kilometer, two kilometers, I'm not counting that. I'm only counting activities of five kilometers or above. So I got five. 5k activities done this week I got three five kilometer runs and two five kilometer walks so I've got 16 more to go this week now I would have got six but but um, those of you who think it's um, sort of all sunshine in Spain it's not uh, we've actually got very heavy snow inland in Spain at the moment I'm getting all sorts of amazing pictures on my Facebook feed and for the last two days here in Torrevieja it's been raining like the UK I mean usually in Spain I've never all the time I've been coming out to Spain I've never seen it rain like this it must be something to do with me um, but it's proper English rain this is and um, because the it gets really slippery uh, because Spain's not built for rain just walking to the shops is a hazard there are so many pools of water on the road massive pools of water on the road and also the sort of marbly um, pavements are deadly slippy when it gets wet so I decided not to run in the last two days I'll, I'll bump the runs the weather forecast gets back to sunny again on Saturday or Sunday so I'll catch up with the runs but I was up this morning I looked down I thought now I'm not going to run in the rain it'll be sunny tomorrow so it has been very rainy I should have done six I've only done five and then for the walks this week we had two lovely walks we have a pink we live near a great big salt lake here and we walked up to the pink lake uh, it's pink because of all the salt in it and, and often they have flamingos there but it was a bit windy for flamingos the day we went we walked up to the pink lake which was over five kilometers and then also we walked into town and we we walk into town using something called the via verde which is um, a very straight path which is where the old salt wagons used to run to into the center of town because this is this place is built sort of on on salt and so it's turned into a footpath now and we did that's a nice lovely long walk into town you have a good old look at all the different houses and things we love doing that and that was my second walk so in among all you know, the writing and the marketing activity and things like that it's always important to make sure you're keeping uh, active and i will be out again as soon as that stun sun starts to shine and according to the weather forecast that's going to be i think pretty safely from sunday onwards wherever you are in the world i hope it's not too snowy i hope it's not too cold i hope you're safe and well and you're getting loads of writing marketing publishing done i'll have another update for you next week bye bye for now you can check out the show notes and listen to the back catalogue episodes at paulteague.com forward slash podcast if you want to record a question for me to answer on the show head for paulteague.com forward slash question if you've heard something that's helpful to you in your author business and you'd like to support the show, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Paul Teague. That's it for this week's show. Thanks very much for listening. And I hope you have a great week of writing. From me, Paul Teague. Bye-bye for now.